It's took me to my knees. It's took me to really dark places. I think if somebody has that abundance mindset of, you know, life has an abundance of opportunities, it has an abundance of potentialities, then you, you, you become more relaxed. A teacher could have said to you at 10 years of age, you're not good enough, you'll never amount to anything. And you could have believed that to be true. And that is still playing out 20 years later. The experiences I've had with psychedelics, whether it's ayahuasca or mushrooms, has changed my life for the better. We have the answer to happiness. We have the answer to fulfillment within. We just need to start looking inside of ourselves for the answer. Hey, I hope you're keeping well. I'm Brian Moylet, former rugby player, now mindset and performance coach. And welcome to the pod. This podcast is about well-being and high performance. And in it, you will learn how you can be happier, more fulfilled and more successful. I recently wrote the book on how to become a pro rugby player, forward by Robbie Henshaw, which went to number one in the charts. And you can get this now on Amazon and Audible with the links in the show notes. Please connect me now over on social media at Brian Moylet and at Offfield Rugby. If you enjoyed the pod, please subscribe to it, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening now. And also, you can send it on to some friends. Would really appreciate that. All right, we'll get into today's episode. Cheers. Hey, hope you're keeping well. Today I'm chatting with Karen May, who is a mindset and human performance coach and former powerlifter. Cheers for jumping on, Karen. Brad, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. Cheers. So chat to me about your journey to where you are now and the work that you're doing now. Yeah, so grew up in, in Belfast, late 80s, early 90s. Um, on reflection, it, it wasn't a normal upbringing. You know, Belfast then wasn't how it is now in terms of how progressive it was. You know, it was still very much getaways. There was, you still had the, the tail end of the troubles. Um, thankfully, I was protected in a sense where you know, during the summer where there was a lot of rioting, where I, I lived, we were taken to the countryside to my, to my grandparents' caravan on the Glens of Antrim and thankfully escaped a lot of that. But certainly those early years, there, you know, a lot, of, a lot of fear, a lot of like, you know, just that vibration of fear. And you could definitely sense it as, you know, a young boy, as a teenager, Particularly, you know, you were saying you were from Mayo. We used to go on holiday, kind of Westport, down around the west coast of Ireland. And, you know, social media didn't exist then. And I remember going to the south when I was maybe 15 or 16 and being absolutely amazed that the troubles didn't happen there. I, I remember thinking, like, wow, like how, how lucky are these people? So there was definitely that sense of... um growing up in a divided society where where people and my own family were very, you know, played it safe, you know, putting your head up out of the water wouldn't have been encouraged. And I suppose from from my late teens, I, I probably developed a bit of a rebellious streak, you know, in terms of being the black sheep of the family of I knew quite early on this wasn't for me. I didn't want to work on building sites. I didn't want to just 
do what was expected of me of a young a young man growing up in a house in the state of Belfast. And I always, I suppose, pushed the, the boundaries of what was acceptable and, and what I should be doing and what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I got married quite young, had kids quite young, and it wasn't until my late 20s I, I found weightlifting or powerlifting and, and fully, fully immersed myself in sport. And on reflection again, that um, I've always been a quite passionate person. If I go into something, I go into it with two feet. And I don't know if that was a lack of emotional intelligence. I don't know if it was maybe a bit of an escapism, you know, that I'd found something that in general didn't have uh, like a negative connotation. You know, I could train hard. There was no calm down. There, it wasn't alcohol. It wasn't drugs. And I really threw myself into powerlifting. Back then, I was quite logical. And what I liked was the powerlifting was black or white. You either lifted the weight or you didn't. There was no gray area. Um, and that suited my frame of thought. I, I liked the fact that there was steady progression. You know, even if it was 0.25 kilos, my mind seen it as I've achieved something. And so I really threw myself into a brand. Um, 2018 got selected to represent Northern Ireland um, went and competed at the powerlifting Commonwealth Championships in Newfoundland in Canada 2019 uh, won a silver medal and again represented them in the home nations competition late 2019 and then lockdown hit and obviously sport finished and I've been working with a, a athletes in terms of mindset and confidence, um, you know, energy management. But when lockdown hit, what it gave me was uh, space for the first time in a long time. You know yourself when you're playing sport, it takes up so much of your time. We trained Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday night and Sunday morning. I also had two young children. And now I, I had all this free time. And so I, I really poured myself into the business. And what I realized when sports finished during lockdown, that the same blueprint could be lifted from sports and applied to business and business owners. And I, I, I suppose that's what really got me into the corporate side of, of human performance, you know, working with, working with business owners. I am very passionate, Brian, about proving to people that you can achieve a lot in life, but you don't have to. You don't have to jump into burnout. You know, I truly believe if you have a holistic approach to sports or life or business, that you can have a life of fulfillment. You can be a high achiever. You can have a, a high performance mindset. But burnout can most definitely be avoided. Unfortunately, I'm a slow learner. I, I have had burnout several times and it's, it's took me to my knees. It's took me to really dark places. And now, you know, I, I'm, I'm 37 now. I'm going to look back with a bit more maturity. I've, I've done a, a lot of work on myself the last couple of years and, and definitely have developed my own emotional intelligence. When I look back now, in terms of those times I suffered with burnout in, in sports or life or business, I have blatantly ignored the signs you know i chose to not listen to the whispers i chose not to listen to 
the body, the voice, and eventually it just screamed. And and so that's that's where I'm at now. I've, I've kind of working with a lot of business owners that um trying trying to broaden what what success means to people uh, in terms of you know it, it ha- we have to start looking outside the, the paradigm of it's just money in the bank or it's just a promotion or it's just scaling your business you know what's your relationship like you know how, how is your emotional health how is your spiritual health how is your physical and mental health and it's really just starting to um put forward this conversation trying to normalize it and in a way using my image as this big strong powerlifter guy to say as men it's perfectly normal it's perfectly healthy and acceptable to have conversations around you know emotional regulation our nervous system uh, going into nature having real deep connections with other guys as opposed to superficial conversations around football or whatever it may be, you know, starting to promote those real soul-to-soul conversations and a more natural way of, of living, I suppose. Yeah, brilliant. A hundred percent. That's that's so true. And I know what you mean. You you can like push, push, push. And I don't know, is it a a men thing or a sport thing but I know I resonate with what you're saying there and you kind of think the more you push the happier you'll be in time you know or make more money do more and when I get down there at the end of that road it's going to be great but right now it's it's not yeah yeah I, I think I think you're right I think it's a masculine thing I think it's a sports thing also I know like my father different generation but he would have said to me like win at all costs you know win at all costs and it wasn't until burnout that I started to question well what are the costs you know is the cost going to be my mental health is the cost going to be my marriage is the cost going to be relationship with with my children like what are the costs in actual fact the costs are much greater than a short-term you know medal or whatever it may be and Thankfully, you know, I look back now with an enormous amount of gratitude in terms of, yeah, I I probably did it wrong. However, I've learned so many lessons now that I am quite happy to kind of pull back and to slow down and enjoy, enjoy life fuller, I think. And it's in no way, I I actually think I'm trying to, an expression I've come up with, the more reflective you are, the more effective you are. I think as you start to develop your self-awareness, you actually become more effective as a human being, whatever field you choose to go into. Yeah, absolutely. Something I'm learning quite a lot recently is that the power of letting go and not, which is challenging because once again, my makeup is just always to, you know, push harder and be in control, say sports like training, like go to the gym, work hard, push, 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 and then you get to rewards. But I've found myself in the last six months or so brought awareness to it in that and was helped with this, but um, just trying to work more and more, just trying to do more and more. Let's go later in the evening. Let's do more. Let's change this. Let's 
oh, I don't know, update this on the website or the podcast or Instagram or do this, that, the other, do more. But it's it's not the way. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when, when you are so conditioned, like when that, that, that's a gen- generational, that's an ancestral thing, you know, the Irish man works hard. You know, he works on the motorways, he works on the railways, he works on the farm. That's ingrained in our DNA. And so trying to reframe that and trying to integrate that is tough. You know, it is tough. It's something that I think I'm still most definitely consciously having to pay attention to. Still catch myself on, you know, thinking, well, I'll just push, 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 push. Um, it's it's fascinating. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. I think a lot of people struggle to... They, I think a lot of people assume that their flow state is when they're pushing, like when they're sprinting, as opposed to actually going with the flow. Um, and anyone that's experienced that flow state will know that it's actually, you know, like slowing down, time stand still. I struggled with this concept for years because of slowing down to speed up. It sounded completely counterintuitive to me, you know, where you're just told from a young age that if you want to achieve anything in life, you have to work for it and you have to work hard. And how that interpreted for me was the harder a man worked, the more he had in life. You know, um, again, not to, to criticize my father, but he used to say things like only a dead fish goes with the flow. And so I always thought, oh, well, Going with the flow is lazy. I don't want to be a lazy person. You know, I want something in life and I'll work for it and I'll fight for it. Um, and I do believe in hard work. You know, I believe in I believe in effectiveness over busyness. I think for years I was being a busy fool. You know, a bit like yourself, I would have struggled to sit still or I would have thought, oh, I could be doing this. I could be doing that. I'll get ahead of my competitors. I will make a chunk out of my to-do list realistically the to get the best version of Kieran, it's somebody that's well rested it's somebody that's feeling grounded it's somebody that is you know having a harmonious relationship in the home when that's all happening then you get the best version of me but and i think the same applies to every human being and the more and more research i look into the more and more it's evident and science is showing us that when when your nervous system is regulated, you are capable of not just performance and just being a better person. You know, that that deeper connection, you can pick up on people's emotions, their energy, and and likewise, people can pick up on yours. And it's, it's fascinating. It is so fascinating. Absolutely. And what you mentioned earlier about living in fear and, I didn't live I, I I can only imagine what it was like but a lot of us live in fear and I think it's something that you know this expansion contraction or it, it's not a black and white in that you know I myself sometimes will like be afraid of oh will this happen or will that happen or will will this come through or that come through and you have to bring awareness to that and when you're living in fear it's kind of like not nothing good can happen, but you're completely blocking yourself off from all the good things that could be coming to you. 
when you're in that fear and your your nervous system is upregulated, like you say. Yeah, I think again, I think it's quite common in Ireland where we, you know, there's a fine line between living in a, a state of fear and that kind of lack mindset. You know, like um oh I, I have to I have to do this job in case another one doesn't come along. I have to eat this food because I might not eat for the rest of the day. I think again, like the hard working. And it maybe goes back to the likes of the, the, the famine, you know, there's a lot of research being done in terms of that, like generational trauma. But I think we have that lack mindset where we have to we have to take and take everything, whether it's food or work or opportunities, because they may never come again. Whereas in actual fact, like if, I think if somebody has that abundance mindset of, you know, life has an abundance of opportunities, it has an abundance of potentialities then you, you you become more relaxed and you think right okay you know there's i don't need to push myself too far to take this one opportunity because there'll be many many more that come again and that in itself i think relaxes the nervous system i think we're okay we've got this yeah 100 percent. that's something that has yeah years so i'm bringing awareness to myself and trying to change and working on and it's it's a it's a work it's a, it's not once again it's not a quick fix these things because like you say it's ingrained and it could be generationally ingrained within you but it's so true it's so true when you can notice that and start to move out of that move into that abundant mindset because that's kind of going into the flow as well that's kind of like going into the flow it's they're kind of all linked and things happen then it's mad and i, I just experience it all the time i'm sure others do in that when you kind of relax or when you're not trying to make something happen that that a call an email just comes something just comes your way you know yeah I, th- I think like i think people turn their nose up at statements such as the law of attraction but i think from an energy point of view if you're if you're to break it down to vibration and frequency i, I, I don't you don't attract what you want i think you attract what you are and so if you're in an abundant mindset, your frequency or your energy is starting to, to, to raise and, you know, you start to notice more things to be grateful for and, you know, more opportunities, more emails come and you're like, wow, right, okay. And I, I think it's a, an energy or a vibrational thing, you know. Um, and then, of course, you're tested because, and, and this is where affirmations, I, I think, only have like a, certain shelf life because you could be saying to yourself oh i'm of an abundant mindset of an abundant mindset but realistically if you're looking at your bank account and you're panicking or you're an athlete and you're saying to yourself i am i am 100 healthy but you know you're carrying a niggling energy i think the key is actually feeling that feeling you know marrying the words with the emotional state and i think that's where in terms of visualization or incantations i think it's feeling actually you know excited about the future as opposed to looking to it from a sense of fear or trepidation i think it's it's changing your emotional state by using like reframes and thoughts within the mind i think that's where the power comes from when you get chemically and when you get emotionally and when you at a cellular level you start to change into a different frequency within your body yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree more. And 
yeah it's interesting what you say fully agree in that you can think like consciously say like i and this go this is going to happen and be saying it in your head but if you're not feeling it if you're feeling that lack and if you're feeling negative and you're feeling fearful then it's just not you're lying to yourself and yeah how you feel determines how things go very simply and it's like like i agree fully like and once again vibrational frequency and, and all that but i think to put it simply is yeah how you feel is how it'll go and yeah there's lots of ways like for me personally i wake up in the morning jump in the cold shower it just gets me going and then write down affirmations but sit and like i suppose quote unquote you would say meditate but just sit and ground myself and then start to visualize and visualize how i want my life to be or not how I want my life to be, but the person that I want to be. And for many years growing up, I was negative. Like I was negative, simple as straight up. You know, if I saw someone else doing something and I wasn't pursue, pursuing what I wanted to do, I'd be like, oh, it would annoy me. And I just was negative. <laughs> and yeah. And that, you, that energy, you feel it. Whereas now I just want to keep moving into that more, yeah, just positive abundant energy and and then and then you attract that and it's we all know that like what you put out is what you get back karma it's, it's said a million different ways yeah yeah and i think I th this is why i'm so passionate about emotional intelligence i think you know and it's probably the same the world over certainly here there's still a stigma with men and emotions that we block them out but don't want to talk about them and then it goes deeper and we don't want to feel them, not realizing the power of emotions. And, and your emotions are the precursor to all human behavior. And so if you imagine that you have a, a finite number of emotions within the body, well, each of those emotions have, you know, for talk's sake, a dozen actions or a dozen human behaviors. So when you're angry, you will your actions will be that of frustration or anger or resentment or so on. It's virtually impossible to, to carry out an act of love when you're, when you're in an angry emotional state. Likewise, when you're in an in a emotion or vibration of love, you're going to carry out actions which are joyful, which are positive, which are fulfilling. And you're very, very unlikely or it's virtually impossible to carry out uh, an action which is you know, deep sadness or, or anger when you're in that position of love. Now, the beauty of that is we have the capacity to change our emotional state. Now, it's not to say that you can take yourself out of deep-rooted grief into, you know, ecstatic joy and love at the click of a fingers, but we can certainly move it a few degrees. And with time, we become great managers of our emotions where we essentially can create or choose, certainly within a frame, a better outcome of our lives you know you'd said where you were negative and you were attracting more to have a negative opinion about but it's the same with you know from from a position of self-love and you have that you know you love yourself and you start to, to have more deeper meaningful conversations with with those around you and it's it's very very powerful i think it goes much deeper. I, I got a bit of criticism in the past. I, I got big into stoicism during lockdown. And, you know, they were talking about, you know, Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius about controlling your emotions. 
and control is maybe the wrong word in this day and age, but I certainly think you can manage your emotions. And again, I used to experiment with myself a lot during lockdown. And one of the things I'd done was every Wednesday, I would have fasted for 24 hours. And what I realized in those first, first few Wednesdays was in the evening time, I made a cup of tea and I reached for the, the biscuit tin out of habit. And what it made me realize was that some of our emotions are habitual as well. You know, that was the emotion of hunger coming up at the exact same time because I always had a, a Twix or a biscuit in the evening. And then I realized, you know, some people have habitual emotions in the morning. People sometimes struggle to get out of bed. Again, you know, you can change that by getting into a cold shower, shocking the system, reducing the cortisol, you know, getting your bare feet on the grass and really grounding yourself. Say, you know, some people maybe have an afternoon slump where they feel as if they've had too much technology. So there's there's different ways to change your emotional state. I think as civilization has progressed, our ability to change our emotional state has regressed. You know, and people, for example, that maybe want to de-stress, they're reaching for a cigarette to have that big slow breath. People that maybe want to switch off from a weekend's work are reaching for the bottle or, you know, drugs to have that stimulant effect. Whereas in actual fact, I, I believe that the most powerful ways to change your emotional state are holistic methods, you know, breathing exercises, whether it's sitting with yourself, a walk in nature, getting into the sea, like those are timeless tools that we as, as humankind have access to to change our emotional state, to therefore change our habitual behavior, which determines our results in life. So if you are unhappy with your health, your, your relationship, your career, you, you can do something about it. This is the thing that like we you can do something about it. And the answer is probably a lot more simpler than what you're led to believe. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, interesting to say about, yeah, control your emotions or bringing awareness to your emotions. And I think that's just so important to bring awareness to your emotions. And one of the first times when I started doing this, maybe uh, years ago, was the anger one. So like you say, like mm. you, you become angry and then you act out. And I remember maybe reading Stoicism or something. I can't remember what it was, but just learning about this and understanding it. And it's like, oh, when you feel that feeling to breathe and feel it and to take a moment. And because I didn't want to be acting out, I didn't like being a person who would snap or act out all the time when I felt certain things. And, and then that develops further, like you say, with yourself eating the Twix or whatever. And we all have these things in that whatever you felt a bit tired or that was your habitual thing that you felt a certain way and it was reach for that. And when you're changing habits, and this goes back to you were saying like change it a couple of degrees, that's all it ever is, is just change everything one degree. You change things one degree a day over time, you're there or yeah. you're whatever, you're never there, but you, you're, you're on the path. And it's difficult, it's very difficult to say no to the biscuit or whatever, even though you don't want to do it day one, day two, it's easier. Day three, it's easier. Day four, day five, you don't even want it. But when you say no, that feeling within you will be very difficult to sit with, but that's, that's the process. That's the challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think 
that's where our power as men comes from, as human beings comes from. You know, I think that's where our confidence comes from. When you make yourself like little promises like that, you know, I'm not going to do this or I will do this and you stick to it. You know, I think that's the process of rewiring and they talk about the compound effect. It's, it's the beauty is in its simplicity. You know, it, 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 we don't need to have these big upheavals. We don't need to have these huge, you know, 1st of January and, and giving up everything. You know, it's one thing, small things and just making it habitual. Uh, the anger, I think the anger one is, is a very prominent and powerful emotion uh, within men particularly and, 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 and even more so with men in sports. And I think when I became a father, I actually developed a fear about my anger. You know, I, I think as men, we, we know our capabilities if that anger was to breach its boundaries or to blow the lid. You know, and Jordan Peterson talks about it, about our ability for destruction. And that used to terrify me. I remember, you know, becoming a father for the first time thinking anger for me was, I used to plan things and, and I kind of felt quite safe if there was an order to my life. And when, when I planned for something and it didn't go to plan, that for me equaled chaos. And anger was then a defense mechanism. You know, anger for me was a defense mechanism as a man, you know, don't hurt me. Essentially, I think it, it, it's, it's protecting the little lost boy within us all. You know, that angers our defense mechanism. And I probably had a negative connotation towards it. And it wasn't until I, I did a lot of work around, you know, emotions. And, and I realized how much of a powerful emotion anger and rage can be if it is harnessed in a healthy manner. You know, that it's such a deep, primal masculine emotion that can really if harnessed correctly if you sit with it and you can kind of deal with the triggers and, and utilize it to really spur you forward you know and and add in composure and add in maturity and, and level-headedness and again i suppose probably going back to the likes of samurai warrior and that and they spoke about the real warrior keeps his sword in the sheath you know like and, and I think it rings true in terms of, like, I would work with a lot of fighters and they're probably the most unassuming people you would ever meet. Softly spoken, real family guys. Um, and then when you look at the statistics for, like, people getting into fights on a night out and the drunken yobs, it's it's the complete opposite of that. You know, it's, and people use the term toxic masculinity, which I dislike. I think those guys that are out fighting on nights out, it's actually a lack of masculinity. You know, I think it's emotional immaturity. It's that kind of boy psychology or that laddish behavior. I think I think a, a man that has is able to manage his emotions and is able to sit with anger and despair and you know and love and joy as well. He's not going out on a Saturday night fighting with somebody, or he's not going to creating chaos. You know, it's he's able to find order within himself, within the chaos. And I think if you can, if, 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 if self-awareness is key. It's, it's, it's what liberates you. It's, it's what transcends you from societal expectations. It's, it's what allows you to transcend, 
you know, your own limiting beliefs, your own um, the stories that we tell ourselves. It's it's peeling back the layer of the onion, and which which with that becomes you know it's it's not to say it's an easy journey because every time you feel as if you step into a new depth of awareness, of course you realize that it, you know the bigger the light, the bigger the shadow. You still have to look at other stuff, and you know you start to see more of, of of limiting beliefs and habits within yourself and maybe even people you love and but it's it's a journey that if you i suppose it's you know the hero's journey dr joseph campbell spoke about it that we go through that hero's journey multiple times and each time we come back to ourselves or each time we come back to the village we're back with not just experience but but knowledge and and we therefore we can teach the other villagers and our, our children and, and young people. Hey, Brian here. I work one-on-one -on -one with rugby players, helping them perform better on the field, enjoy it more and maximize their careers. If you feel like there's more in you and don't want to have regrets down the line, head over to offfieldrugby.com now and book a free 30 minute Zoom consultation. And the link is in the show notes. On the call, you talk to me about where you're at now, what you would like to achieve, and I'll show you how I can help you get there. You then go off and decide if you want to invest in yourself and move forward with the one-on-one -on -one coaching. For teams, I do mental skills sessions over Zoom. Players will have mindset shifts on the call, but also they'll get exercises to practice going forward. So it's like an S&C program, but for your mental strength. If you're a coach or manager of a team, you can book a free 30-minute Zoom consultation now as well on offfieldrugby.com. If you have any other questions, you can get in touch with me through my social media, at Brian Moylet, at Offfield Rugby, or the website, offfieldrugby.com. All right, cheers. We'll get back into today's episode. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so true as you keep growing the challenges keep coming and a guy I like Steve Harvey um, he's was a comedian but he's really inspirational and he says new level new devil he's really religious and like every <laughs> oh, like time that. yeah every time it's so true because I don't know I kind of thought you kind of think you know oh if I get get to here then it'll all be I'll just be chilling for the rest of my life and that's what society teaches us in that <laughs> work for 40 years yeah. and then you retire and everything is just bliss mm. but and they teach you this they ingrain in you this thing of just do do bear this now and kind of going back to what we we're talking about earlier you know bear this now and, and then everything's good but it's um yeah and limiting beliefs are something that are mad mad mm. mad how they get ingrained in us uh, because mad yeah it's uh like the power of words in itself, you know, the power of linguistics. Like you're uh, somebody, a teacher could have said to you at 10 years of age, you're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. And you could have believed that to be true. And that is still playing out 20 years later when it comes to opportunities within a relationship or a job that unconsciously you think, oh, what's the point? Sure, I'll never get it. You'll know, I'll never go for the job. I'll not, I'll, there's no point going for the trial to the team. Sure, there's people better than me. And it's, um, 
I, for me, the, the, the best quote that sums up kind of human behavior is Carl Jung, who says that until we make the unconscious conscious, it will rule our life and we will call it fate. And I think that's why it is absolutely critical to carry out self-reflection, you know, to go away, to go into the cave, to sit in the darkness, to sit with yourself, to sit in solitude. It's absolutely critical because that's where the answers are. If you have a limiting belief, you're not going to find it in the, on the hamster wheel because you're just on the hamster wheel. You're busy. You need to step off the hamster wheel and go into a period of deep reflection to look at your behavior, to analyze your relationships, your, your development, your career, all those things, and take absolute ownership and personal responsibility for changing that. If you're not happy with it, it's, it's on you to change it. We're capable of change, but we first, I used to say to people that um, the cornerstone of personal development is personal responsibility. But then I think if you go deeper into that, you can only be responsible for that which you're aware of, you know? And of course, so, so much of our makeup is unconscious. And so that's why I think it's absolutely critical to raise your own conscious awareness. And for me, the, you know, I've, I suppose I've went about it unorthodox ways or unconventional ways. I, um, in and around the time of, of retiring from, from powerlifting, I went and, and did plant medicines, like of ayahuasca and that, and, you know, meditation retreats and different nature retreats. And admittedly and ashamedly, I kind of thought, I've got it all figured out now, you know, because I felt that, that particularly that first one, I felt a deep love that I hadn't felt before. And I thought, I've, I've completed life, you know, I've clocked it. It's all going to be plain sailing for here. And then the realization sets in that you've just unlocked a, a layer, you know, you've unlocked um, growth, but with that comes extra responsibility and, and, and so on. And I think, Brian, what really has allowed me to sit was just that promise to myself that the, the ability to forever, you know, be a student of life is, is a blessing. That used to terrify me. I used to need an end point. I used to need to be able to mm. complete something. But making peace with the fact that there is no end point has been very, very liberating for me. And I think it's allowed me to most definitely be more present in the moment as opposed to, you know, we spoke earlier about with sports. So I'll be happy here. I'll be successful when I win this trophy or when I win this medal. And never allowing yourself to feel fulfilled or successful in the moment, which is crazy when you think about it. But what we put ourselves through, you know? Yeah, so true. I I think of the I learned it a while back, but um, the I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I win the race. I'll be happy when I get the promotion. I'll be happy yeah. when I have more money. I'll be happy when I get the girlfriend. I'll be happy when I get the house. I'll be happy when, and we live in this, in this cycle of I'll be happy when, and then you die and you're never happy. And you can't, you cannot postpone your happiness. And it's something, once again, it's for me, it's a regular awareness, you know, like I go through my days, I get a little bit stressed or on the hamster wheel or, you know, and it's every morning I ground myself, but, but, you know, I just have to keep bringing awareness to it to be like Brian this is life and just to to slow down but um I'm so interested to hear about uh the ayahuasca I really want to 
do that. I chatted to a guy, Joe Van Niekerk yeah. on here, played number eight for South Africa. He talked about a lot of trauma that he had in his early life and his um, drinking, how that played out with drinking as a rugby player, doing drugs um, and spoke about it and how healing that was. And it's so true, you say plant medicine, that's what it is. And once again, growing up in Ireland in a conservative society, we are told that the stuff that big pharma pump out is medicine and anything else is they're crazy people don't look at them and i got really depressed about five six years ago shoulder injury in rugby and was drinking doing drugs and it brought up there's probably there was a lot of other trauma earlier in my life that i had suppressed through playing sport and through just succeeding quote unquote or just pushing harder and then everything came to a head but i took mushrooms in vancouver in the out camping in the mountains by the lake and my whole my whole perspective on life changed at that moment and everything everything my whole life changed for such a positive and it's uh it's crazy it's crazy yeah like i wouldn't i wouldn't but but you want it's it's not crazy it's actually you know to to think other ways is crazy yes you know that that like look at ireland like at this point this time of year that our native liberty cat mushroom grows on our native land ancient burial sites and it coincides with Samhain, the Celtic festival of Samhain, which is Halloween, where people say, you know, you can connect with the other side of the veil. When you look at old ancient Irish texts, those mushrooms are, are drawn on caves, they're drawn on the, the old books. I can hand in my heart say that um, the experiences I've had with psychedelics, whether it's ayahuasca or mushrooms, has changed my life for the better, uh, a better human, better father, better husband, in all ways, shapes and forms. It was the most healing experience of my life. I felt that particular first ayahuasca experience, that, that four day retreat, I feel as if I got probably about a decade of therapy in, in those four days. I had, I, I, you know, inauthentic, wearing the mask, uh, masking my own, I suppose, lack of emotional intelligence with, you know, drink. I had been on anxiety medication for several years because I didn't know what 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 it was. You know, depression, all those things, and this natural substance made from from plants from Mother Earth with uh, a shaman. I said, and, and listen, I. I have the utmost respect for it. My brother's a doctor. I have complete admiration for him because I've seen how much of his life he devoted to studying. It's incredible. But I also have to be honest with myself and say that I got so, so much plus more. I'm forever indebted to natural plant medicines because they completely 180 changed my life so much for the better to the point where you know, I would never, I actually really shunned religion growing up in Belfast. I was like, I hate that people are fighting over because one person is saying he's a Catholic and one person thinks he's a Protestant. That's not for me. 
And, and so I was just like, listen, religion's not for me. I 100% believe in God because of my experience with mushrooms and ayahuasca. It's, and I'm hearing so many athletes now doing it. Um, you know, I, I spoke to a guy recently who was a, a former Royal Marine who had done two tours in Afghanistan and suffered, like lost his marriage, lost a lot because of PTSD, had tried everything and went and done ayahuasca. And that guy, he's hop, skipping and jumping about, he's so happy, you know, it, it, it almost, I felt, Brian, as if I had been walking through the journey of life with a shield and armor on, thinking, don't hurt me, you know, I need to protect myself. I need to be the big, strong guy because if I'm not, it's it's vulnerability and vulnerability is weakness. And if you're weak, you'll get preyed upon. Ayahuasca took down the shield and it ripped off the armor. And for the first time, I felt human. And it was the most beautiful experience of my life. And I made a pledge that I will never go back to picking that armor up again, you know? Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And... Yeah, it's so true, like what you say about it growing out of the ground and it's mad. And that, like we, like you say of Ireland, like we, our people, we have grown up eating certain, grown generationally eating certain things, living a certain way. And that has been a part of us. We didn't have Big Pharma 300 years ago. We didn't have those medications. And I too, so funny, my experience with mushrooms, like, I was just chatting to someone else recently and they were talking about ego death. And then I was like, I just started talking and then I was like, yeah, that's, I explained what happened to me and it's, it was ego death. And I was sitting there and I was just sitting there contemplative having consumed them, eaten them. And I was just like, Brian, this way you've been, you don't have to be that way. You can let it, let go of it all, let go of it all. Like the, like I was, I was, I'm not a hard person per se, but like when I, I became that person on a rugby field, like I played second row number eight and just was a hard person to, I don't know, it was just like would be hard and, and, and then drinking, like I was the man, like just like drinking or wanting to be the man, we'll say, you know, just like, look at me, I'm the man, a kind of sweet ego, you know, ego. And yeah, and it's all insecurity. It's all insecurity, all that stuff. And don't get me wrong, I love playing rugby. I love the physicality. I love, I don't play anymore, but I love yeah. everything about it. But me, like I would just be intimidating others and just like, just, oh, just, I wasn't being authentic to who I am. And I would prefer to be a skill player, you know, just being pure skill. But anyway, yeah. I would have been like acting like Baki's both on the field, you know, just and yeah. that whole way just of me. And I wouldn't have it just I just saw it all. I literally saw myself from a, an outside point. It was just like, like you say, the armor, the shield. It's like, Brian, you can just let go of it all and just be who you are. And then yeah and that set me on the journey it didn't happen overnight but that re it rewires your brain and i have friends as well it's funny you say i just two examples but one i had a friend who during lockdown i was living in vancouver at the time and he went had to go back to ireland his visa didn't come through and just real shitty time like you know covid and lost his job just all sorts of stuff happening and he was depressed and he said that he he had taken them before mushrooms and he said he took them then he just depression gone just wasn't depressed yeah. anymore and 
I have another friend who is a professional rugby player, high level, a very high level, and has taken <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> has taken mushrooms, and he uh, he has said to me, he's like, "Oh man, it's so shitty the way we can't talk about it." And he goes, "Aaron Rodgers, he told me I didn't know this, but he said Aaron Rodgers talked about taking ayahuasca twice." And then had MVP seasons in the NFL that after that. <laughs> and he's like, why? Can, I wish I could talk about it. And I was like, come on the podcast. But anyway, I'll maybe ask him again. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, I, I remember, like, uh, you know, I didn't take drugs or anything. I, I was kind of looking at this from a solely, like, an introspective self-development point of view. And again, Ireland's quite, you know, I, I remember my mother, like I told my mum, I told my wife and I told my mum, listen, I'm, I'm going to this place. And I remember my mum panicking, going, why, Kieran, why are you taking drugs in your 30s? And I was like, no, I'm not, but I was trying to explain to her. Um, yeah, I know, but I, I, I was kind of looking at like Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Aubrey Marcus, like all these highly successful, intelligent men were talking about doing ayahuasca and dmt and that and i kind of thought okay like they're 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 you know compass mentors, they're mature they're well studied they're well traveled i have to at least be open-minded to this and and that i i went with an open mind and funny we were talking about the ego the lady that was facilitating that first retreat she was very much into like a jungian psychology and she just kept talking about the self, you know, we've become disconnected from the self for the soul. And but when, when we when we embrace the self, you know, through authenticity, through self-reflection, when we get to know who we truly are, we, we enter a vibration of love. And she says that, you know, when we're living with the ego, it's a vibration of fear. And the best definition is she says, um, you know, self has that, that's where you're connected to the collective consciousness that Jung spoke about and that's how you're connected to source and to that spark of divinity and she says ego stands for edging god out and i was like wow that is so true that's so powerful she went when you're when you're egotistical you know it's the animalistic desires it's the it's fear it's afraid of vulnerability it's it's uh shunning authenticity you're edging yourself out you're edging god out I remember it just made so much sense that you know we have we have the answer to happiness we have the answer to fulfillment within we just need to start looking inside of ourselves for the answer as opposed to looking over here yeah well, this this podcast has taken a turn hasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah well, you're gonna get banned <laughs> no, no, that's what I love love about it. In that I I started out. It's funny. I started the podcast, whatever, two years ago. But I would have all these questions written out. Like I would have a page and pages of questions, and I'd be looking down at them. And you'd be talking about something. Then I'd ask a question about something completely different because I was nervous, and I was, you know, I was nervous, and I was afraid of mucking up or whatever. But the more comfortable I got, I start off with one question, and we see where it goes. And that's that's the best. <laughs> and that's the best because you have more authentic conversations essentially and yeah yeah um it's so interesting you mentioned about god too and i grew up as said balna county mayo very con con less conservative than my parents time but still conservative and with the church and 
like saying prayers all the time in the Catholic Church. And then when and my parents weren't religious, like they didn't really go to mass, but we you did in school and I went to a Catholic school and all that stuff. And then the horrendous evil things that came out about the Roman Catholic Church, which were just, which are abhorrent, which are just like, literally, I remember just being so upset, like just, and just obviously turned away from all religion then, turned away from all religion and was was an atheist in my early 20s i was like that is disgraceful it's disgusting and but then i maybe around that time as well taking mushrooms and what i realized and i heard this i heard sinead o'connor r.i.p um saying this on the late late show years ago and she's another person who was who was told was was branded as crazy or whatever um by the medium by different people but she said that she spoke about the existence of god and she said that when people come together they create an us and them and that's what a lot of the religions nowadays have done the protestant catholic we're all the same like and it's like and what's the difference and anything and you've these religious wars all over the world and it's because people have come together and like you uh maybe similar to you from my experiences with plant medicine like i i fully believe like i i've no doubt in uh in the existence of god and but it's not in a it's not in the the bible or it's not in the quran or it's not in the it's not in any of these scripts or scientology or any of this stuff like i know that yeah i see when i hear quotes like steve harvey when i hear steve harvey talking about god and stuff I love that when I hear Buddhist people talking about they don't speak about God so much, but different religions. I'm like, I like that. I like bits of everything, yeah. but it's just like the presence when you slow down and you just like I say, yeah. get off the hamster wheel, put the phone away, get that, go into that deep reflection. And that's where, that's where the most growth happens. It's funny because we go back to what we were saying earlier, go, 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 do, do, do. I have to-do lists like everyone else as long as my arm and I'm always wanting to be to be doing enough and it's not to say we're not saying don't do anything and be lazy and don't ever we you got to work you got to do all that but you have to have that time for deep reflection and for me I try to do 10-15 minutes in the evening and just sit down and kind of review my day but and I think I need it now but it's funny every few weeks I need a day or, you know, I need a, just a time and the more time, the better to just literally do nothing, not be, not be doing anything. And that's when it all comes up. And that's when, yeah, that's when you just feel that connection to what's, what they say, like source or like, mm. yeah. No, I, I definitely, what you're saying resonates so much, you know, I, really kind of didn't I think when when you look at how religion is taught in Ireland it is very much fear-based you know Mm. condemning you to it's you know in in school essentially you're told it's a white guy with a beard that lives in the clouds that if you don't do this he will condemn you to hell so it's very much fear-based I think women in Ireland you know particularly very much fear-based 
um, you know, Catholic priests had so much power within the community, yet, you know, all this evil that, 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 that a lot of them were carrying out and it was covered up and justified. And so I was very much the same as you, but I think what plant medicine introduced me to was spirituality and that, you know, I couldn't care if you, you know, a Catholic, a Protestant, black, white, Jew or Gentile, I think we're all connected. I think we're all interconnected. I think we're all brothers and sisters. I think that God or that source is within everything and everyone. And I think nature, like so you'd said about every couple of weeks you need a day. I try and do that every two to three weeks as I take a, a day off. And I, there's a forest quite close to me. And I just go up and sit in the forest, you know, light a fire and spend the day in the forest. And it is the ultimate reset. But you kind of observe these natural laws that happen in nature. You know, it's all there, like growth. You know, everything's growing, be it's food or stability. Like the flowers are blossoming, yet the rose isn't comparing itself to the daffodil or the, the tree isn't comparing itself to the bush. You know, it's people are embracing, like things, everything's just embracing itself. And, and one thing doesn't exist without all things, you know, and it's, it's the same with humanity. And we, for some somewhere along the line we have lost this connection with nature where we have a, a perverse opinion that we're you know separate from nature or we are more important than nature and I think it's that disconnection which leads to a lot of the likes of depression and, and mental health you know it's I think nature has certain cycles you know the seasons if, it, if we're part of that we have seasons where we need to slow down where we have so much energy in the summer and so on and it's again you can only really tap into that self-awareness when you're in nature or close to nature or at least at least studying it to some degree even if it's through observation and, and what's beautiful at the minute in ireland is there's this renaissance of kind of you know irish culture and irish heritage and you see now people go out foraging or making hawthorn tea or collecting, you know, certain types of mushrooms or metal tea, or going to like ancient sites where they believe that energy is stronger and really going back to their ancestral roots. And I think there's a lot of healing in that too. You know, I think this is a really exciting time to be alive. <laughs> I don't think anyone really knows what the hell's going on at times, but the fact that there's a real resurgence of people getting back into nature of, of, you know, bare feet on the grass of, of conversations like this, of, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And I think, I think you always have a choice, you know, I think you always have a choice. I remember hearing a story as a kid about, you know, the black wolf and the white wolf that are in every single person. They're constantly fighting and the white wolf is your love and joy and positivity and, courage and and so on and the black wolf is despair and anger and resentment and the young boy asks his grandfather well if they're always fighting which wolf wins and the grandfather replies whatever one you feed and i think i think this is how important like our perception is we can choose to you know be on the hamster wheel and blame society and and blame artificial intelligence and, and blame technology or we can choose to step off it at our will and spend a day in nature, go and have a conversation with friends or, you know, dance the music, 
have a nice meal with loved ones like we can choose to live a better quality of life you can choose to plant the tree you can choose to immerse yourself in a field or you know the, the ocean whatever it may be and if probably you we, we spoke very briefly before i came on and i was asking you how new zealand was and you were like it's, it's probably the closest place i've been to ireland you know not through distance but in terms of culture and, and nature and there's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for a culture which is quite rural, which has strong ancestral heritage, which which has a, a strong ancestral link to nature and you know certain types of trees and like you never want to lose that. That is so, so important as a human being to have that connection to your local folklore, your local heritage, you know, the oak tree, like what that represents, that that strength and those strong roots and you know adversity and it's it's very very having a connection and having a relationship with nature is such a powerful tool and even for you know the likes of business owners i try to bring them out for a day in nature because for me anyway i think if you're in nature for a couple of hours the first maybe hour or so you're trying to break out of the habitual thought patterns of programs and you can almost see them just spilling out, you know, the usual, well, have I done this? Was that email sent? Oh, maybe check on your phone. But there comes a point where that begins to slow down. And I think as that, that habitual program starts to slow down, your creative thinking pattern starts to, to speed up. And certainly that's where I have a, the most of my business ideas or life ideas is in nature within that space that, that allows you to expand. And there's a lot to be said. And, you know, Steve Jobs and all these highly successful people, they used to take themselves to like cabins in the woods and just no Wi-Fi and just lock themselves away for a week and then come back and say, okay, I know exactly what we need to do. I know exactly who I am and I'm going to push and get this done. Just knowing how humans, you know, we, I think when you're near the sea or you're in the mountains or you're in nature, that raises your vibration in itself. That does something to your energy where you're like, okay, you know, I'm more grounded, I'm more human, I'm more part of something much bigger than just me. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Brilliant. Everything there. And it's so true. And I, I see it myself, just how, how much happier you are when you do that when you go for the hike when you go to the beach for the walk taking your shoes off and walk feeling the sand under your feet and when you do that and it's so funny because we get into the we get into this habit of you know being on the phone being on the laptop being doing the work and being in that world but obviously that's not how we've evolved and then stepping away from that is very difficult because it's like we were saying earlier about the Twix or the biscuit. It's, it's, that's what you do and you're, that's your habitual and, and stepping away is difficult. You're like, Oh, go into nature. Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. Like I'll, I'll do that. You know, people listen or me, I do too. I'm like, Oh, will I be able to Friday? I don't know, maybe Saturday. But then once you do, and it's funny, the, it's funny, like you say, the first half hour, hour, hour and a half, you're kind of, you're forcing, you're kind of thinking, geez, am I going to feel, oh, this is, you're kind of walking around in your head and you're thinking and you're thinking. And then it's, it just, it falls out of you that you, you, I suppose what happens is you, you 
go from the conscious thinking mind into the subconscious, you stop thinking mm. and you, and that's, that's the subconscious is where all the answers are, you know, and it's, it's, that's yeah. where all the answers are. And it's when people know this, oh, I was in the shower the last day and I just got this great idea. Oh, I was going for a walk the, the yeah. last day and I got this great idea. That's because, yeah, the subconscious is coming up. And something you mentioned there, I'm, I'm delighted to hear. I wasn't aware that Ireland, people in Ireland are getting, connecting more to our culture and history because coming to New Zealand here, the Maori culture, they are very connected to it and they were colonized like us and they were disconnected from it and it made me kind of sad seeing how connected they are to it like some they will in the around new zealand there's words that are said in maori so like you say kai instead of food you say here am i instead of come over here and like or come here or you know and all these different words a hui is a a meeting and like, so I now know them because they have these words within it and they are, and the Pacific Islanders I know around here, the Fijians, Samoans, Tongans as well, like they're so connected to their culture and there's definitely a happiness to that because you, yeah, you know who you are. It's, it's within your being. Yeah. You, you become like, you think about it, if you displace, if you displace anything, if you got an animal, I don't know, a polar bear and put them in the desert they wouldn't be they wouldn't be right you know and that's yeah was similar ish us being displaced and it's even the technology is us being displaced forget about you know all mm. these other things but just being on your technology all the time that's not us <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely like that's like if you study the evolution of humanity we have always until the last hundred years we have always played such an intricate part of nature you know we sat as communities and had conversations you know we spoke of like our dreams and aspirations where we hunted we had to know the land intimately and and that stopped probably like with the likes of the, the farming and industrial revolution but with the tech the with the increase in technology and then with the likes of ai becoming so prominent um I, I do a bit of voluntary work in Belfast with, with like around suicide and mental health because the part of Belfast where I grew up in West Belfast, the suicide rate amongst teenagers and young men is so high and it's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. And, and when you have conversations with their friends and that, like, it's just even something as simple as like these young kids can be in a group WhatsApp and they can be in the depths of depression. They can be going through hell in their minds, yet they can put a laughing emoji into their group WhatsApp and nobody knows, nobody knows any different because they're now in a society where they can sit, you know, and text each other instead. Like when I grew up, you call for your friends you know, if, if one of your friends was going through a hard time, you knew without them even saying, you know, you just had that bond. You, you picked up on each other's energy, on each other's emotions. Um, I, I think we'll have to be very careful. And there's no point being fearful about it. I think you have to keep going back to that position of love and saying, okay, well, I need to embrace nature 
in my fullness because hopefully it inspires somebody else to do the same. Hopefully it normalizes, you know, swimming in the ocean. Hopefully it normalizes um, a, a group of guys going out for a hike and having a chat around a fire as opposed to getting completely inebriated in a pub, you know. Hopefully it starts to normalize things. And I think it is. I think you have to remain optimistic, but it's certainly there's certainly a fine line between technology working for us as as a as a human or it controlling us. Yeah, absolutely. And something it's been a, a work on for me over the last year or so, just being on my phone less and less. And now I've gotten to a really good point in that I kind of see my phone and technology as something that's over there to the side, whereas it was just a part of me. Like I was just, it was me as much as my two arms are. And people know this, you know, like if they don't have their phone, you see people, if they don't have their phone, they get anxious. And the same way, if they didn't have their arm, they'd get anxious. And I now, yeah, I thankfully got to a point where it's something that's over there and I can pick it up and it still takes discipline because I know how addictive it is, but I can pick it up and just like do my thing and put it away. And I have to, you know, bring awareness that of, I don't open it for the first couple hours of the day or the last hour of the day. And, um, it's, it's so important. It's so important because that, like you say, yeah, you mentioned like depression, anxiety, all this stuff. It's, it's definitely coming from, or there's a huge part to play of our disconnection from nature. And I remember coaching with a guy who was in the English army and he was over, he's 50 something odd. And he was in, Central America doing stuff, I, something with borders or like cutting down jungle to mark out borders for them or something like that. And he said that he would come across tribes who were in the jungle, like so deep. He would say it would take them, it would take 20 of them a day to cut down a kilometer. Like it's, and it, they went so deep into this thick bush and they would find these tribes. And he said to me, they're the happiest people he's ever seen. They were just so happy. You know, and he couldn't explain, he was explaining it to me and I was just like, wow. And I've heard that before of these indigenous tribes and, and that, and that's because they live for the community. They live to, they get up, they, they hunt, they fish, they make clothes, they, I don't know, whatever, carry water, they make huts, they, they have a purpose, they have a purpose and then they are interconnected and there's none of this other bs and yeah. which we have in the modern world it's funny i, I spoke to a brazilian lady recently she, she lives in dublin um but her family are still all brazilian and her grandfather is linked to one of the tribes in brazil and he was telling her that particularly those tribes deep in the rainforest deep in the amazon they don't have a word in their vocabulary for suicide. And in actual fact, when, when people tell them about it, they, they laugh uncontrollably because to them it's, it's, you know, why would somebody take their own life? Life is beautiful. And so they think it's a joke. And that has to make you think, you know, it has to make you think, are we, are we going about it wrong? And they, they talk about, you know, you hear things such as like cultural appropriation when, when, when people are doing like ayahuasca ceremonies in, in Ireland. But this Brazilian girl said that they, 
they look at us. Do you remember the Chokra adverts when you were growing up and you kind of yeah. thought, oh, those poor kids. They look at us as the same. It's like, oh, look at those poor rich white people. Like all oh, they've got material things. They've got no soul. They've got no connection. They've got no emotional. Oh, God love them. You know, let's, let's put our native medicines out and hopefully it'll help cure them. They see us as sick, like a, a, a sick, twisted tribe of, of people that are obsessed with materialistic things and, and completely severed our connection with, with what's actually truly important. Yeah, so true. And I'm not going to give any way, but I was speaking with someone who has lots of material things, who drives a car that is worth six figures and way more and um we were just chatting and then i was talking to another guy there was three of us i was talking to another guy who's like oh i was drinking camel tea we're just talking about this kind of stuff maybe or whatever and i was saying like oh yeah i have a camel tea in the evening i really enjoy it just to relax and wind down and this other person who's older than us and has all the material things in the world kind of turned in and goes oh is that good for sleeping is it because i i just take six tablets in the evening and I just was like, wow, like is because, and when you're saying that talking there and that, like I was just saying, you're so right. And because at the end of the day, we die, <laughs> like at some point we just die and it's all over. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, we just all, the lights go out and it's all over. And so is it worth it having, and, and I know you can have the, you can have cars, you can have material things and be happy and, and I'm not you know bashing that or whatever you can have a nice house and all that stuff but if you're taking six tablets to go to sleep at night that i remember mm -hmm. just thinking wow i don't want i would not trade shoes i would ever you know for that and but other people yeah. then most people in society would look at oh my word look at that car he's driving you know yeah that's um yeah I think it's we seriously need to have a conversation around what success is. You know, success without your soul isn't success at all. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's something that everyone, we all need to, um, that's a, a great point and we'll, we'll finish uh, soon enough on that, but um, of what success is. And I, it's certainly something that I, once again, thought of over a lot over the last couple of years and, and have to have to once again remind myself regularly regularly mm. of what success is and sometimes i have to you know we always i think we're hardwired as humans to want to grow to want more and that's some something evolutionary be it in our relationship in our job and whatever it is or whatever we want more and so you grow and you try to achieve more and then gratitude is a great practice to help you not be in lack all the time like i don't have that i'm not there i'm not there but i yeah. i certainly yeah have to regularly remind myself of yeah what is success it's like i wake up and do what i want to do every day and it's like you know um while yeah there's many 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 things that i'm trying to do and want to do and will do and all this stuff and i'm a work in progress and it often feels like you're on level one and you've so far to go but it's yeah that that's a great question or that great point that we we need to redefine what is success yeah i think it's, a, it's an important question and it's an important topic um 
one of the best definitions I've ever seen was kind of like an acronym for success. And that success, you know, we spoke about moving the goalposts, that that's not what success is. Success is a state of mind. And he broke it down into an acronym, which was sense of direction, understanding, courage, clarity, esteem, self-acceptance and self-confidence. And it's spelled success. And he was like, success is when you feel fulfilled. You know, it's when, you, when you've got clear thoughts, when you have a, a sense of purpose, when you have understanding as your, you know, your self-awareness, when you're confident in yourself and your abilities and you accept yourself, that's success. And therefore, you can feel successful every day, you know, just be you, just, just be you in all your glory. 100%. Yeah. Success is a feeling. It has to be a feeling because that's all there is. Yeah. Like all there is, is the here and now me and you everyone we're just we're here and now and it's it's a feeling it's not a a trophy or a a number or yeah powerful powerful conversation actually really really enjoyed this me too thanks emil and before we jump off let people know just where they can find you yeah so i'm on linkedin as kieran may and then social media as natural resilience brilliant thanks emil kieran Thanks, Brian. Take care. Cheers for listening into the pod today. If you're new to the pod, welcome. Be sure to check out some earlier episodes and subscribe wherever you're listening so that you get the new episodes when they're released. In my mid-twenties, I began studying the mind and that led me to playing the best rugby in my life and enjoying it so much all the time, like regardless of results. Whereas when I was younger, there were highs and lows and it felt uncertain, like I was on a roller coaster. But then when I began developing and harnessing my mind, it felt like I'd absolutely cracked the code. Now I work one-on-one with players and yes, I help you overcome challenges and we do mental skills work so that you can consistently perform at your peak. But I also help you expand your mind and grow as a person. You know the way you often feel like you have more in you. You have more to express. You have more to bring. And it kind of gets frustrating when, yes, you're getting some results, but you know you have more inside you. I help you bring that out. Every single player that I've worked with one-on-one for over 12 months has made a team that they didn't think they could make in that time and or signed a new increased contract that way more than covered the investment that they made in themselves for the one-on-one coaching. If you're a player or coach and would like to learn more, head over to offfieldrugby.com now and book your free 30-minute Zoom consultation with me. Through this podcast, I want to help millions of people live happier, more fulfilled and more successful lives because I absolutely know that it's possible. If you want to be an absolute legend now and help me out, there's three things you can do. First is to share the pod. You can send it on some friends, share it on social media, and simply just tell people about it. Second, you can leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. On Apple Podcasts, when you click into the pod, you can scroll down and there's an option to leave a review and up to a five-star rating. And on Spotify, when you click into the pod, On the left-hand side, you'll see a little star. You can click on that 
and then leave up to a five star rating again. And third thing, lastly, just make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. Those three things, sharing the pod, leaving a rating and a review and subscribing really, really help the podcast grow. Helps us help more people. So thank you so, so much. Please connect with me over on social media. Instagram is at Brian Moylet, at Offfield Rugby. LinkedIn is Brian Moylet. And any thoughts, questions, feedback, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. Thanks, Emil, for listening today. I really, really appreciate it. Be good to yourself, get after it, and I will see you next week. Cheers.